Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up the Same. I'm your host, Trevon Edwards, joined always by my co-host, Jason Madison. And today we have a special guest, Tom Haberstro. What's going on? What's happening? Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks for having me. Uh, I love this show. It's my favorite new podcast. So, like, I'm going to be sitting back here just enjoying you guys so much because this is this is a real treat to be on. You're not just saying that, Tom, are you? <laughs> I I swear, when when I first heard this pod, I was hooked as soon as uh, as soon as the ones and the twos came on. I was like, "What? This is great!" And it, when and every time you have a guest on. I, I marvel at how you JM, you just, you just, you just have the best, the best choices. It's like, what I appreciate is that you do your homework. Well, hopefully I did a, a, enough of my homework. Hey, he really means it. Cause he just gave you a nickname. He called you JM. So. Yeah, yeah. 
No, for sure. I appreciate that. Now, I mean, some people do call me JM, so, you know, very much appreciate it. Um, let's get it going. Tom Haberstraw is an NBA reporter, formerly at ESPN, NBC Sports, and Bleacher Report, and also co-founder of Count the Dings. Tom, this is the one of the two. You ready? Yes. Let's do it. Rumi or Langston Hughes? Langston Hughes. Harry Potter or The Hobbit? Uh, neither. Haven't read either. Uh, T-shirts or hoodies? Hoodies. Shooting sleeve or a headband? Headband. I had a headband in a, my senior year in college, uh, senior year in high school. They called me the last samurai because I had long hair like Tom Cruise. Um, and I had a little bit of like a peach fuzz going on on the court. And yeah. I think I think the last samurai was the big movie at that time. Yeah. And so they called me the last samurai and I had this this navy headband. And my coach, my senior year coach, made the entire team wear headbands if I was going to wear a headband, which was messed up. I felt I felt elitist that I was wearing a headband, but I needed it because I had long hair, believe it or not. Um, shooting uh, ice cream sandwich or popsicle? Ice cream sandwich all the way. Eat it or I'm fat? Ooh. Um, I'm fat. I'm fat. I can pretty much do all the lyrics to that song. It's a great, it's a fantastic video too, if you've ever seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Is it do we count that as body shaming in this day and yes, age? Yes, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Uh, Russell or Chamberlain? Um, ooh. Uh, I'm going to go with Wilt. All right. Gucci or Louie? I don't know the answer to this. Do you just, it's an opinion. <laughs> uh, Gucci. Oh, Louis Vuitton. Okay. Gucci. Yeah. Uh, basketball diaries or Hoosiers? Basketball diaries. Coach Carter or Sunset Park? Coach Carter. Reggie Miller or Ray Allen? Ray. Iron Man or Captain America? Uh, Iron Man. Would you rather have no shot or no handles? I'd rather have no handles. Joe Rogan or Joe Budden? Oh, uh, shit. Uh, Joe Rogan? Yeah. Okay, Joe Rogan. He <laughs> 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 had to make sure. Um, Johnny Damon or Big Poppy? Big Poppy. I used to drive to college from Connecticut down to North Carolina with Big Poppy, like a full cutout, cardboard cutout in the passenger side of my car. And every time I pass, people think people think I was crazy. Like I have a I have Big Poppy, David Ortiz sitting in my front seat with the seatbelt on for a 12 hour drive. that authentic new era official on-field cap of major league baseball Hello, big poppy. Um, but johnny damon um he was a guy who in many ways inspired me to grow out my hair i mean he was a guy who had a full out beard long hair um and he was also one of those oakland a's who came up 
and they forgot about Moneyball. Um, Miguel Tejada, Jason Giambi, uh, Johnny Damon, they just did not mention them in Moneyball, and it was always about these scrappy little guys, but they were awesome because of their pitchers and these guys. So um, what the, the home run that Johnny Damon hit against the Yankees in the 2004 ALCS, I mean, legend, legend. Very legendary. A-Rod or Jeter? A-Rod, because I can never go with Jeter. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> you have to understand something about Red Sox fans. Like Jeter, like I was talking to Trey about Bloods and Crips earlier. And um, <laughs> yeah. like Derek Jeter was the nemesis of Red Sox fans. Um, like you, I, I, I got into sports writing because of Derek Jeter, how much I dis, I hated the rhetoric around him. Like the narrative around Derek Jeter propelled me to become a writer and to research this stuff. So actually in many ways, I should probably be a fan of Derek Jeter because he, I just hated the way people mythologize that dude. Yeah. I think often when you dislike somebody so much, that is so great. It's kind of turns into a little bit of a sneaky, like, well, it's an obsession and it kind of the way that he was talked about Jason was like, I couldn't stand it. And so it kind of, it made me think a certain way. How do I disprove all these things that people are talking about Derek Jeter? And it kind of made me look at the facts, look at stats, look at the numbers. And in ways that before, if I, if they, if they weren't talking that like crazy about Derek Jeter, I probably would let it slide, but because they made him out to be better than Babe Ruth, where I'm from outside of New York city, uh, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I started writing. Nice. Um, Babe Ruth or Mookie Betts? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Mookie, Mookie, yeah. <laughs> Goodwill Hunting or the Town? Goodwill Hunting. Vince Carter or Anton Jameson? Vince, always Vince. Even though he blocked me on Twitter. What? Is that story? Are we get into this right now? That story. We'll, I'll let Trey ask you about that story later. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> uh, Rasheed Wallace or Jerry Stackhouse? Oh, all right. Jerry Stackhouse, I covered for the like three months that he was with the Miami Heat in 2011. People forget Jerry Stackhouse was on that Miami Heat team. I forgot that. <sighs> Man, I always said my brother played like Rasheed Wallace, and I idolized just. He had that weird patch on the back of his head. Jerry Stackhouse. I'm going to go with Jerry. Mm, I already hate that answer. Right, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Um, actually, you know what? Tell me the story about how, you, how you're blocked. All right. So I'm, um, I was obsessed with Vince Carter growing up. Yeah. Uh, Vince Carter, the way he was able to he, – he looked like he was water out on the court. He was so smooth the way he jumped, the way he dunked. It wasn't so much all that, the way he, like, how he played above the rim. Everything was just so fluid. The way he shot, everything. He had this, like, kind of loose jersey to him, too, and it was just, I, the, the combination of skill was incredible. So I used to draw pictures of Vince Carter, like, from Sports Illustrated. I would get, like, the Sports Illustrated articles, and I was kind of a nerd in high school, and I would draw and, like, uh, become, like, an artist with sports uh, pictures. And I even tweeted about this and, um, I would buy his Puma shoes. Like I would find those. I had green ones. Um, and I, I was obsessed with Vince Carter 
and I started covering the NBA and I didn't tweet anything bad about him. I just remember like adding him and then going back to the tweet and realizing that he had blocked me. And I was devastated, Jason. Like, I don't know why, but I can't even ask him. One time I saw him here in Charlotte. I, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was covering practice, a shoot around with the Hawks and the, uh, and the, the Hornets. And it was maybe Vince Carter's last game in Charlotte. Right. And so everyone was talking about like retrospective of his career. And I'm sitting there with my mic, Jason. And I'm like, do I build up the courage to ask him? Do I build up the courage to ask him? And I asked him about just his career. And I like gave all these like biographical notes where he's looking at me like, oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great point. I totally forgot about that. And he's like, you know, hitting it off with me and I'm feeling like real good. And then I realized like, I can't now be like, yo, why'd you block me on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. So I let it slide. I didn't ask him about it because I felt like we were vibing, right? Right. And he walks away, and that might have been my last opportunity to. Uh, I, I, I never confronted him about why he blocked me. I even searched all my my tweets. Maybe I said something like, "Yo, he got dunked on" or something like that. Like, "Oh, he's not worth that contract." No, nothing. I can't find out why Vince Carter blocked me on Twitter. So, yeah, um, whoever his pub, his publicist or whoever it is, like, I would yeah. love to talk to him. Yeah, that's in stark contrast to me getting blocked by Bomani. <laughs> so we just got to the bottom of that. Last week we had Bomani on our podcast and he had blocked me some years ago. And I thought it was actually something similar. I thought it was, I said something kind of innocuous to him and then he just blocked me. Come to find out, we searched the tweet and I told him to shut the fuck up. Oh, see, I don't have any like that where I'm talking crazy. Yeah, no. And I just realized I was, he was talking about cap. I'm a Niners fan. He was talking about Kaepernick. This is 2014. So just to show you, I'm a real fan. Like this is pre kneeling everything. And I think he had probably earlier said something like about cap, not being that great. And then so he tweeted, like, Cap had a good game or he's had a good game. And I was like, SCFU. And then he just blocked me. And then so for years, I didn't. E I don't even remember tweeting that at him. But I would see his his tweets pop up on my page and be like, oh, you can't view this person's tweets. I'm like, why did Bomani block me? I'm a fan. Like, you know, but. You literally told him to shut the fuck up. Yeah. You're mad that you can't see his tweets. Hey, he let me know that he deserved that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And, and. You know, the crazy thing is like, I became a Raptors fan because of Vince. Like yeah. I, I would follow him to the NBA and root for no matter what, what he did in the NBA, I was his guy. And then when you become a professional and you start writing, I guess I still don't know what happened there, but man, I did not tell him STFU. <laughs> well, here's to Vince hearing this and hoping that he unblocks you when he does. Um, politics or religion? Religion. Patience or passion? Patience. Grit or heart? Grit. Mac or PC? Uh, PC. That's because I'm, I'm a data nerd. So like most of the stuff I do is in spreadsheets and stuff. So that's the nerd coming out of me. The Eastern Conference or the Western Conference? Eastern. Scorsese or Spielberg? Spielberg. Wild and Crazy Kids or Double Dare? Woo! Now you're talking, man. <laughs> uh, Wild and Crazy Kids. 
But you know, like I, I still think to this day, if there's like a little red flag hiding in a bush, I'm jumping all over it. Like if yeah. I see that little thing, I I'm like, if they, if they did like a an Easter egg hunt with double dare flags, it would be like the greatest holiday ever. I love it. Doug or Rugrats? Rugrats. Cause the guy's Tommy. To kill a mockingbird or the great Gatsby. Uh, great Gatsby. Future or young thug. Future. Most deaf or Q-tip? Um, ooh, most deaf. Eminem or 50 Cent? Eminem. The Pulitzer Prize or the New York Times bestseller list? Uh, Pulitzer. Netflix or Hulu? Hulu. 10K in gold or 10K in Bitcoin? Never understood Bitcoin, so 10K in gold. And the last one. Would you rather be a happy fool or a troubled genius? Troubled genius. That's the one of the two. Man. <laughs> I'm not like all I'm like all out of sorts about Vince now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We had we, we had a we had a Tar Heel bathroom growing up. And it's weird to say, but we had a bathroom. My mom like had we had so much UNC Tar Heel stuff that she she was like it can't be everywhere so pick one room in the house that you're just gonna make all your Tar Heel stuff so we would we had a bathroom where all my brothers shared and we made it the Tar Heel bathroom and I had Anton Jameson's uh, autograph on a camp t-shirt I went to UNC basketball camp uh, Ed Coda his uh, signature on there uh, Vince Carter my brother had Jerry Stackhouse's shoes um, I had the Fila's the the Carolina Blue Fila's stacks. Mm -hmm. Um, man, I had Eric Montross's jersey slash Brendan Haywood's jersey because it's double zero. Um, yeah. so man, Vince, Vince, if you're out there, man, I'm sorry for whatever I did. And the crazy thing is, he might not even remember. And so this might be a totally unsatisfying experience is finding out that, oh man, I just block people. Like, yeah. man, yeah, some people just block people just because they feel like it. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, Oh, go ahead, Jason. I was just going to say, I was a big Anton Jameson fan. That, and he was like my first, like, I think after Iverson or even in that era, like, college player that I really liked. You know, because obviously it was like Jordan went to North Carolina and Anton Jameson, when I first started watching college basketball, he was that dude. Yo, his his floater or his touch around the basket was unparalleled. Yeah. Like, he would catch the ball, boom, like, boom, right up. And yeah. it was it was crazy to watch. I love those teams, man. That reminds me of when I seen Barron in 2002 uh, at the N1 open run. He pulls up, and uh, he's not playing. He just came to watch and support, and it's in the summer before training camp, and I'm like 16, 17 years old, and I'm like, yo, Barron, BD, yo, can I get your autograph? He just looks and just keeps talking. <laughs> so, like, it's crazy now because, like, that's, like, my friend now at this point. You know what I mean? But it's just, like, weird. And I brought it up. Like, yo, yo, man, I'll try to get your autograph back in the day. Yo, was- I had the reverse happen to me, Trey. The reverse thing happened to me with Mario Chalmers. Have I told you this story? No. Please don't tell me you got disrespected by Mario Chalmers. I did. get. I did, listen to this. So my sophomore year in high school, I go and play at, uh, at UNC basketball camp at, in Chapel Hill. And he's getting recruited by UNC. Okay. So he goes to this camp and it's, it's like, it's not just for like five-star recruits, right? It's for like people like me who played high school basketball and wanted to work on their skills. So at this camp, you get pooled and 
put into five person teams and I was on Mario Chalmers team. And at this point, he's just this kid from Alaska. Right. And he gets out there and he's just dunking on everybody, pulling up point guard. He's doing everything. And I'm like, yo, this guy's going to be in, in the league. We run the table at this camp for like two days. We win every, every game. And I'm his like co-star, right? Fast forward to 2011, 2010. I'm covering the Miami heat. He's on the Miami heat. This is a guy for a week straight. We were on the same basketball team. And to me, like, he's going to remember me. Cause like, I remember him, but it doesn't work like that. So I roll up to him in the locker room the first time. And I'm so excited to see him. I'm like, yo, Rio, remember me? And he's like, what? No. And I was like, oh, you remember? Oh, man. Remember UNC basketball camp? He's like, oh, yeah. I remember going to that. And I was like, yeah, we were on the same team. We like waxed those guys like for like two days straight. We won like 10 in a row. He's like, nope, don't remember you. Uh, You know how many unathletic white guys I've ever played with in my day? I was like, yo, what did you just say? And I was like, oh. And I was just like, I had to like laugh it off and just like walk away. But I knew after that, I couldn't come back. I couldn't talk to him, man. Once he pulled up and was just like, you, you're white and I play with a lot of white dudes like you and they're completely forgettable basketball players. So right. join like, the list. Yeah, like a faceless, you're just a faceless guy that was passing me the You're ball. a roster player, 84. <laughs> that's what you are. It's cool, man. It's, it's all right, man. That's, that's why but, you're, 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 you're starring your role now. But the thing is in that locker room, he was like, he was ridiculed by LeBron. Like he was the little kid that they would bully. And so I'm sitting here like the kid that is getting bullied, bullied me. How does that make me feel? So I felt real low about that. But Mario Chalmers and I, we were teammates. He ended up going to Kansas and becoming a star of Kansas, hitting that amazing shot, D Rose, that whole thing. So I was happy to see Mario make it to the league. Never meet your heroes. All right. <laughs> Let's get this show on the road. All right. Tell me about little Tom's relationship with Mario Kart. When N64 came out and GoldenEye, everyone was playing GoldenEye. I was playing Mario Kart and I was, can you guess which character I was just by? Uh, I'm going to say Toad, but if not Toad, Yoshi. Mm. Mm, No, neither of them. I was, I was DK. So DK the thing about DK is whenever you start the game and you hit the power boost right off, like in between the second and the third light, you blitz through everybody. You just, you just overpower them. You're like Derrick Henry, right? Blowing through the line. You just boom, 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 boom. And I always liked the fact that at the beginning of every race, no one could touch me. So I was Donkey Kong and I was obsessed with, with Mario Kart. And I was so obsessed with Mario Kart that I could never get good at GoldenEye. Because all my buddies would play GoldenEye. And as soon as I would get in the game at GoldenEye, they would kill me. And so I would never get the opportunity to learn how to play GoldenEye at like a good level because they would always kill me before I could do anything. So I owe my terrible GoldenEye status to loving Mario Kart and just dominating that game. Are you still good at Mario Kart now? Yeah, I, I still have N64. My wife and I, we play it occasionally. Um, in college, we would play drinking Mario Kart. So every time you got hit with a shell or a slip on a, on a banana peel, we would have to pause the game and drink. And so we would go from uh, Mushroom all the way to uh, Special Cup and play every single 
This is N64. I never got into GameCube. I never got into uh, what's the new one? I'm playing right now. You don't play it on the Wii. Don't play it on the Wii. I am straight. Uh, I am see. straight Super NES or N64. That's Listen. the only game I play. Listen, you got to get all the way up to Nintendo Switch because the new shit that I had, it's not new. It's about three years, maybe four years old now. Three years, three to four years old now. But the effort that these guys put into these state these stage designs and the characters, and you can change your cars and change your wheels and change the like gliding mechanism. Oh man, it's next level, dude. You can have a black Yoshi, and that's who I roll with. You feel me? But <laughs> I play with Metal Mario. See, you, you got, got, you got, <laughs> you got like, options to fire it up. So yeah, my boy has like an RV arcade. Like he goes and does like kids parties and stuff. And so he literally has every game, all the systems at his house. And he has Mario Kart on the Wii. And it's the easiest game for everybody to play, you know, when all the homies are over there. Man, it's it's still my favorite game. I love it. I feel like the get off my lawn guy. Like Clint, I feel like I'm Clint Eastwood because I'm like the only true Mario Kart is Mario 64, Mario Kart 64. Have you not played the Wii version? I have, but it's it's almost like it's almost like I want to go back to the retro like it feels like it feels too good you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah like yeah. i just want to go back to regular coke yeah like i wouldn't want to play the new sonic like i i need the sonic the sonic in uh so you're down with 2d sonic too. <laughs> yeah exactly i need 3d man I need, i'm sorry man i need to see my guy move i want to see his entire body like that's how mario 64 was game changing that was that was a time right there you can grab his nose at the beginning of the game before you press start and mess with him and, and oh yeah explore the, explore the entire universe you know and then when switch came out switch had another game so like you know as i patiently wait for my ps5 to get here you know i'm i'm, I'm ready to dive into some more games but yeah never stop playing games my, i'm glad my, that you're still keeping that your system still works and yeah that my, you're still still brand loyal to mario kart and ken griffey jr baseball great game so that's another that's another code classic right there the, the seat- i mean Go ahead. The secret to that game is you draft with the Seattle Mariners because with Edgar Martinez, Ken Griffey, and I think Jay Buhner, they all had the big circle, the big yellow circle in Ken Griffey. And then you could build your team around that. I think Brett Boone might've had one too. And you trade for all the guys that had big yellow circles. Oh, so you cheating, cheating, just like me and NBA Live 95, where I used to trade all the good players to Orlando Magic to play with. I don't play to lose, Trey. I don't play to lose. I understand. I played um, triple play, which I triple think that, play baseball was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, and I had the uh, that Mariners team that had all those guys, and not to mention Randy Johnson was their pitcher. <laughs> Chico was, for real. Yeah, that was really a Chico. Speaking of baseball, good segue, Jason. Tell us about Tom's relationship with the Red Sox. Now, I'm gonna hate on this segment in general because I am a New York Yankee, and Jeter. What does it even mean? You're- Yankee Jeter did it clean. Oh, <laughs> shouts to Jade and uh, and Waz. We were at the 2016, 2016 NBA Finals in Cleveland. What was it? We brought Waz to Cleveland and we went out to dinner. And I ju- we just decided to aggravate you and Jade, or was it just Jade? Uh, so this was actually 2017. 2017. 2017. And yes, pretty much aggravate me and Jade about it. Basically saying that he he uh, he was part of the steroid era, and you guys denied, 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 denied. How does he get a how does he get a forehead this big? No, that's just that's kid Tom talking here. Um, 
So when I was a kid, um, my parents, uh, my dad's from outside of Boston. My mom's from Connecticut. So my dad was obsessed with the Red Sox and this was pre world series wins. So being a Red Sox fan was like being a Mets fan right now. Being a Red Sox fan is like being the, the, just the ugly cousin of the Yankees. And so my dad, when we moved to Westport, Connecticut, we used to live in Brazil for four years. We moved to Westport, Connecticut, um, in 1990 and everybody I knew was Yankees fans, but my dad refused to let us be Yankees fans. So he said, whatever you do in life, you just got to be a Red Sox fan. And so that's when direct TV came out and we got the dish and we watched, uh, Nesson the watch the Red Sox and 2003, um, I was a, oof, a senior in high school. Aaron Boone hits the home run. I cried. I would not go to school the next day because I knew all my friends were uh, Yankees fans. And they just they would clown on me. I was so embarrassed because I was talking a lot of trash. And when Aaron Boone hit that home run, I was legit depressed. Didn't want to go to school. Didn't want to see anybody. I just wanted to hold myself up and not do anything. Um, I was so upset because. The Red Sox, the Red Sox have been living in the shadows of the Yankees for so long, and we've been hearing all this ridicule. And I grew up listening to WFAN, Mike Francesa, Mike and the Mad Dog, and hearing about them just obsess over the Yankees. And finally, we had our moment. Moment, and Tim Wakefield was just gassed, and he threw the pitch. And when Aaron Boone hit it over the Green Monster, I didn't even see it land. My dad took the controller and turned it off when it was mid-flight. I would imagine that's the sentiment throughout although the Boston Red Sox and the fans through New England they'll tell you they were five outs away in the eighth inning leading by three as Boone hits it to deep left that might send the Yankees to the World Series Boone a hero in game seven we knew we knew it was over and um I didn't go to school the next day I was really upset um but 2004 freshman at Wake Forest University, Red Sox win the World Series, and I sprint from my dorm room. I sprint to the middle of the quad in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I just jump in the middle of the field, and I just scream, we did it, Dad. We did it, Dad. We did it. And then out of the woodworks come the Red Sox fans, and they're just jumping all over. We do a, we do a, uh, like a dog pile in the middle of the quad on – on campus in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, just Red Sox fans coming out of the woodwork. And we're just, we're just hugging. It's pre-COVID. Uh, we're just hugging and cheering and all this stuff. And I just remember feeling like, like my whole childhood was validated in that moment. And it's so crazy how sports can do that to you. But when I'm a freshman in college, I'm crying with all these strangers because of a baseball game. So I think a lot of it was just I hated Yankees fans because they made me feel bad as a person. <laughs> but you love me and Jay, so that's cool, man. It's, yeah. it's, it, it, bring, it brings that, that, that mutual love there. Um, so you, you mentioned Winston-Salem, which is home of the Demon Deacons, Wake Forest, right? Yep. And how does that, how was, what's your relationship as far as going to Wake Forest but growing up a Tar Heels fan? I hate Tar Heels fans now. Because they're like you, Trey. They're bandwagoners. 
you're the same thing with Yankees fans where you're just rooting for the Yankees because they got a lot of, you know, history. And so actually the, the reason why okay. I'm a Yankees fan before you go off on me, mm -hmm. homie, uh, it <laughs> is because when I, uh, 1990, I, my uncle used to collect trading cards and on one of his trading cards was Deion Sanders with a Jerry crew in a Yankees uniform. Now, never ever in my, with my own two eyes ever seen Deion play for the Yankees. But that became my team because I followed everywhere Dion went. I didn't okay. jump to the Braves, but I stuck with them because I didn't know that Dion ended up on the Braves. And I probably would have bandwagoned with them and followed him wherever because that's how I became a Cowboys fan. That's how, you know, Jordan, I stayed with him. I didn't become a Jordan. So I stopped um, after 98 and I didn't become a Wizards fan. So if you had looked at like a picture of Chuck Knobloch or Tino Martinez, you you would be like, yeah, nah, for that Yankees. Yeah, no, I probably the thing was my family is all LA and like just like any any kid that has siblings or uncles or you know people that you want to just go the do the negative on purpose. Everybody was Lakers and Dodger fans in my house, and I wanted it to be the complete opposite. So the reason how I attracted to Jordan was because ninety one finals between Lakers and Bulls. And he was just kicking a ass and I just wanted to, you know, be that guy in the house. So I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, Jordan, I'm getting ball fades. I'm sticking my tongue out and everything I do. Um, and then it just kind of went that way. As far as baseball, we would go to baseball. We would go to Dodger games. I was a big Mike, Mike Piazza fan as far as like Hideo Nomo, but not to an extent of like actually wanting to be a Dodger fan, you know? And I still like the hats. Like, I'll wear the hats, but no association to it. But as I got older and playing baseball, I played shortstop in high school um, and getting a chance to, like, learn Of course game, you did. Cheater. Because, like, then I, I had – Did you have no I, range? Did you have no range like Cheater? Oh, no. I, I liked you couldn't Ozzie, move? I liked Ozzie Smith. And, you know, I like guys, like, that – that you know, different guys that played the shortstop position, but like overall, and I respect it. Like, I'm not, I'm not a cynical fan that just has, like, quote-unquote beefs with other, like – you know, Pedro, David Ortiz, like you can go down the line with those dudes. Like even when we got Damon on our team, I was just like, bro, this is awkward. Um, one of the greatest moments in the rivalry has got to be Pedro Martinez tossing Don Zimmer to the side in a fight. There's a Yo, brawl that happened. I was outraged like about that. <laughs> I was outraged about that because I'm like, Yo, he, he stepped to Pedro. Yeah, he did. He did. He, he did. did. He but asked for the like, smoke. I felt like it was an old man clause. He didn't knock him out. He just he did a little matador like step aside. Hey, open. but he failed too hard for my liking. I couldn't handle it. Is that Pedro's fault? No, that's an old man fall. That's like Pedro. Pedro did that. He was putting him to the side, and it made him look like he was you know pile driving him. Right. That was an incredible moment. Uh, Bronson Arroyo and A Rod were. Um, I think I had it as my background on my lap, my like uh, computer in high school is the A-Rod slapping Bronson Arroyo running to first base. But anyway, um, so Wake, Wake, uh, my older brother went to Wake. And when you apply out of state to UNC, it's impossible. I think the admission rate is the same as Harvard. And like out of state trying to get into UNC. So I tried to get into UNC. I did not get in. I applied early to Wake Forest, got deferred. So I got put into like the regular admission crowd. And then in the regular admission crowd, I got waitlisted. And then I got into wait. And so I had, I was trying to get in early, tried to get in regular and they, 
they just told me, nope, 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 nope. And then I finally got pulled off the wait list. And my wife, she, uh, she had the same thing happen to her. Her older sister went to wait. She got deferred wait list and then accepted. And so when we got to wake, we realized that we're this small private school, 4,000 students undergrad. We're the s- smallest D1 school in America, fully D1 in sports. And when we go and we watch UNC, we're like, all, all these fans like d- didn't have any affiliation with the school, but they wear all UNC stuff. And I got so angry at the fact that like they didn't have like real ties to the school. They just loved the colors. And then I realized that was me. I was the kid growing up, fan of UNC, because mostly because they had cool colors. My grandparents, they sent me all sorts of UNC stuff because they lived in North Carolina at the time when I was a little kid. So every Christmas we would get UNC stuff. And then I just became obsessed with the Tar Heels and realized like, I just love the team because they were cool, man. Like Vince, like Michael Jordan finding the next baby Jordan. Um, Man, it was, it was tough to watch. Like Carolina after that beating them in Winston-Salem, Chris Paul, Jamal Levy, Justin Gray. Like that was, that was a big moment when they beat UNC and I was fervently rooting for weight. Um, I had the same type of feeling with USC growing up because I was a USC fan, you know, especially of the football team. And then when I got to college, they had already been great. Pete Carroll was a coach. I, I graduated high school in 2005. So when I got there, you know, Reggie Bush was the shit. And I only applied to two schools. I applied to LMU and I applied to USC. And I was just praying like, please God. But I got waitlisted and I ended up going to LMU, which we were terrible at sports. I mean, <laughs> we were just, you know, like the ghost of Hank Gathers is still wandering around the hall somewhere. You know who was on the court for Hank Gathers? Who? They were playing Portland. I think Portland State and uh, Eric Spolster was playing. Eric Spolster, right? Back really? in the day. Yeah. That's wow. crazy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So he was on the court for Hank Gathers when he passed. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's one of the most tragic moments probably in sports history, and it's definitely haunted that school since. So you, uh, you felt like USC, like, I'm done with them after that? No, no, that's what I was going to say. Like, I, I didn't feel like I was – I was even more a fan and it made me feel awkward being in college at another college in the same city and Reggie Bush is 20 minutes away balling the fuck out and I can't even like really, really root for them how I want to because that's not my school right now and I'm in a school. It was easier when I was in high school because it was like, okay, you're not in college, whatever. But when I got to college and I w- we would go to like USC parties, I felt like, man, this is kind of lame with me. <laughs> like. But they're, that's how good they were. Because also, we didn't have a fucking NFL yeah. team. So that was they were our NFL team. They were our everything in football. Yeah, see, Wake being in the ACC with Carolina, we had no – we could not afford to be like, yeah, we're just – we're not in the same class, right? Because we're in the ACC. We yeah. should be beating Carolina because we're in the ACC. And so LMU, I can imagine you'd be like, all right, I can still – I can still root for USC because we're not really like seeing eye to eye. Right. Yeah. No, it was just, it was just different just because we were in the same city, you know, that it was just like, man, these guys are, they're playing real football. We don't even have a football team. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wake, wake was weird because they, um, they pride themselves on being a small school. Right. So like, they'd be like, yeah. uh, Whenever Carolina would win, 
it would beat or no, when we would beat Carolina, we would scream safety school. And it was like this stupid <laughs> thing, right? We would do it to NC state. We would do it to all these other schools. We like safety school. And the irony is me saying that is I could not get into Carolina. Right. Right. <laughs> so wake was my safety school compared to UNC school. Chapel Hill. So um, now my, my daughters, you know, we're looking at, you know, 15 years down the line is like, yo, we think we might have to raise them as Carolina, like going to Carolina because it's way cheaper to go to Carolina than it is Wake Forest these days. Right. So right. um, I got to get back to my UNC roots, apparently. Yeah. Cancel all student loan debt, by the way. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> all right. Last little bonus question. What is Tom's relationship with Pogs? Pogs, man. Pogs. Yo, I had a Pog. Oh, I can't. All right. I had a pog tube like two feet high. It was black. And it was like, I rolled him to school. I think it was kindergarten, maybe. No, nah, we, that's fourth grade for us. It's probably third grade for you. Third grade. Third grade. There you go. Third I remember grade. Mystery Lodge. This is how I got into pogs, right? Not Sperry Forum, which is based in California, if you've been there or not. Not California, but not Sperry Forum, the amusement park. And they had a theme going, right? They had like some shit going on called mystery lodge it was an attraction where you had to sit through the story it was like this ancient cave guy i don't know it's the indian reservation or something like that he would tell his story and after you finish that you get a pog set 25 pogs plus a slammer oh yeah so it's all the little they're all in the little squares and stuff like that and you get a a, a pog tube so um from there I'm like, wow, like I want to go. First of all, I went because I was trading in, you could trade in cans to go to uh, Knott's Berry Forum. So that's how mm-hmm. I went. I didn't have any money. So I did that, got my pogs. And then I started off with those 25. And then they were also called milk caps. If you wanted to be super descriptive about it. And overall, like you would go to swap meets, you would go to different like trading card areas and they were selling them and they were just putting stamping on these different type of designs. And I'm just like losing my mind. Cause we're, you know, the world was all crazy at that time. Crazy. And I really want to hear how it was played in Connecticut. Sam Sloats. Sam Sloats was this little like collectible store where you could buy all your like baseball and basketball cards and also get your pogs. And the thing about pogs was like, th- it was a real currency. Like which pogs you had was real value. Like um, you would be like, yo, I want that one. So I'll give you five of these. And I think like in fourth grade or third grade, like I don't think we had like a real concept of like bartering. Like we only knew dollars and cents, but like pogs, there was a real like trading system and you would, you would parlay whatever you had and try to be like the king of the room be like, ha ha, I just ruined you. And I parlayed that into this. And now I got all the slammers. And I, I don't know about you. Did you ever try to make pogs? So I never tried to make pogs, but it was a specific way how we played them, right? So again, obviously it's just like cards or anything. You stack one on one. So it's like I raise you one, you raise me one. Well, we would get super like intense and be like, okay, how about these four for those four? Right. And then we had different rules, which I don't know. I want to know if this is worldwide or not. But if you put the slammer if it's one and if you had if it was two on the top, if you had one and you kind of pinched the side of it, yep. flick, called t- flick tippies, 
Yeah. They would say tippies and it would flip it over. And if you got it, at least you you wouldn't lose both in the process. And then if it was a stack, you slam it oh. and then you get the whole thing. But they start getting creative. Like and Jason's going to laugh at this, but in L.A., it's just bullies, man. And they came up with shit like black magic. Black magic was the sickest way to so, lose. So if your you say soul. black magic and you got some shit that's just like whatever, you just see somebody just take your shit and and be like black magic, and you're like, what? Yes. Oh, because because basically we used to play like Pogs was really like an introduction to the bullying system, and you realize how mean a lot of kids were and how far that they were willing to take their meanness. So like some kids would be playing for either keeps or no keeps. And like, basically that was like the first gambling yes. for a lot of kids when you play for keeps. So when you would play for keeps with somebody who wanted to just be a jerk or a bully, they would just say black magic before any games would start and swipe your whole thing. And then that led to there's recourse. Like you can't do it. Yeah. People would be calling teachers and whoever the adult was the room in. And you know, it began this whole thing. And then after that, now you're a tattletale and what have you. But I remember that being like this big thing. I had like a uh I had a really dope slammer, but I remember my uncle brought me back. He he used to work for the LA Times and he brought me back from some meeting or something that he had it was a stack of pogs that um had every country from the world cup on and it was and they were really dope you know i just remember like the brazil one the france one i'm like oh man these are super cool and um yeah somebody tried to black magic me i think we got into a fight right (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) i don't remember black magic it might have been white magic where i'm from so i don't know i I don't know what we did but i'm sure we had something similar all right, so Tom, what's your favorite slammer or favorite pog? So I had this one that was like a blueberry flick, like some of them that smelled like blueberries. Like there was a rubber, it was a rubber edge to it and it had like a blueberry, it was probably like an inch uh, wide and it had a rubber uh, a cover to it and it had a smell and it was like a blueberry slammer. And I don't know if this still exists, but that would be my favorite. Um, I was always going for the ones with the skulls. Like I remember a lot of skulls on the pods, pogs. Um, I went for a lot of those. I would make my own and try to like sell them. Like try to make them into like a real thing, make them home homemade and made them like pe- try to get people interested in them. It was basically me trying to print money. It was like, it was a total scam in the end of it. Um, so like I remember Pogs, they came after stickers. Did you guys have like a sticker phase? Where like- I did not. I did not. But I remember that um, it was like a real bright folder or something that had like just all these bunch of stickers and stuff like stickers. that people would put their stickers on. Because I remember Trapper Keeper phase for sure, um, and a couple of things like that. But yeah, I, I never did get into the the stickers because I was oilies. Just- did you ever have oilies? No, I was in the marbles though for sure. <laughs> Oilies were stickers that had like oil in them and they're like heat sensitive. Yeah, and I, don't, like, I don't know. That sounds kind of dangerous. <sighs> yeah, it was. Re- and that was kind of like the precursor to Pog. So, like when you had stickers, you would trade stickers and be like, I want that sticker for my sticker. And it, it, you remember those c- candy cigarettes when you were a kid? Yeah. It was like sugar cigarettes. <laughs> and exactly, the, and, and right? A little, a little smoke come out. 
or dust or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> like that was a way for tobacco companies to get kids hooked on cigarettes before it was like prohibited, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like the same thing with Pogs was like, I feel like there's some grand mastermind evil guy being like, we're getting all these kids to be addicted to gambling. So we're going to do Pogs and stickers and baseball cards. Sounds about right. My favorite slammer um, was an OJ Simpson ripper. And when you called it a ripper, it had the ridges. So oh. it looked like it had a blade on it. And on one side, it had in the slammer and it's OJ under in bars like this. And then on wow. the other side, it had AC Collins and the white Bronco. And I paid $75 for it. I begged my grandma for it. I said I had to have it. I thought it was the most gangster shit ever. Just having an OG, OJ Simpson slammer. Oh, my God. I'm looking at this right now. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Brass. And is it brass or metal? I thought it was gold. The guy, <laughs> the, guy, the guy just sold it like, you know, he played me. He's like, yo, it's real something, something. So I'm like, yeah. Well, guess what happened to it? Black magic. Black magic. <laughs> and yeah, my grandma was like, I'm never buying you anything again. And then my next phase was model cars. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was the end of my Paul career after I lost a $75 slammer. Oh man, that's a lot of money for a slammer, dude. At nine years old. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. And I bought it from Atlantic Forms. So like this one little like grocery store that was on like Atlantic and like near North Long Beach. And I would be, I literally begged my grandma for that like every day until I finally got it. And I thought I was a man because like it was a free OJ campaign. And obviously OJ Simpson was a big deal. Not even on the, we were too young to know him as an athlete, but like, yeah, just the case and everything. And then obviously like it was, he was heralded in the black community after he beat his case. And now it's, it's, it's fuck OJ as an adult, but yeah. We we used to like back in Connecticut. We used to do like when we were kids. We would play out the court case. Mm. Were, you play Johnny, were you Johnny Cochran? <laughs> I was the uh, judge. I was oh, the so judge. You were judge Ito. Shout out to judge yeah, Ito. Judge Ito. And yeah. and I remember being a kid. And this it's crazy to think play. about. Like, like think about how old we were. Yeah, no, we were nine. Nine. It's a eight, murder case. Eight nine years old, and the whole was, world was locked in. It was so like so much though on TV though. Like it was definitely one of the first reality TV shows. I remember them, Jay Leno or Letterman. It had to be Leno doing a skit with the dancing Edos. There was just it was so much in pop culture that it didn't even seem like a murder case. It was, it was just it was the most lighthearted murder case that you've ever. Because every night on on late night talk shows they were making jokes about it like yeah (laughs) oh man it was crazy and when you're a kid you don't even understand you're talking about a murder and the knife and the and the glove but like you don't really have you can't internalize what that all means you know so that that's crazy and i i did not know that they had an oj slammer so you're on there are levels to this and you're way higher than me (laughs) well man i'm glad to be a part of the elite company well tom you know obviously we could spend hours talking to you about this but we're going to ask you this last question that we ask all our guests what advice would you give 18 year old tom haberstroh oh um it's 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 it seems cliche, but uh, don't be afraid to zig when everyone's zagging. So when I graduated from college, I was trying to get into finance and try to go to Wall Street and be a, you know, a banker. And um, I was like, you know what? 
I can't get any jobs because it's 2008, the whole recession, the depression, the whole, whole housing market had crashed and there were no jobs to be had. And I remember at the time being so ashamed of the fact that I could not get a job in finance. I had spent four years at Wake Forest. I had an economics degree. Um, and so all my friends were going off and being bankers or you know, doctors or lawyers, these big, you know, crazy jobs. And I decided to go on a whim and throw my resume in at, at ESPN in Bristol. And uh, I interviewed for two jobs. I didn't get either of them. And then they call me up and they say, would you like to do a temp agency job? Like be a temp worker at ESPN. I was like, whatever it takes to get my foot in the door. And I remember thinking to myself, like everyone I knew was getting crazy money coming out of college. And I was taking a $12 an hour job, hourly wage job out of college and feeling like I was a loser. But what I realized is that like, Five years later, 10 years later, all my buddies would trade jobs with me in that second. And I remember at the time, I felt like I was, I don't know, a loser. Uh, I felt like I was, I wasted my education. I wasted my college years. And I, I always tell people like, whatever you see, what everyone's doing right now, try to figure out what they're going to be doing in five years and try to go with that wave. And that's kind of where analytics and all that stuff started catching on is I realized everyone was talking about box score stats uh, and points per game. But what if, what if in five years, all we're going to be talking about is PER or wind shares or like all this stuff. And it's not about points per game anymore. So you got to find your, and then it turned into health analytics, like DNP rest and like injuries and uh, you know, injury rates and all that. So you just got to keep finding the things where everyone else is talking about this. You try to find what everyone's going to be talking about in five years. Um, so when everyone was trying to chase like the, uh, you know, the finance jobs, the banking jobs, the lawyerly jobs, I was like, I'll take this risk because I think this is this is what's for me, um, and I'm going to be patient, and it's going to happen for me. And the NBA or the ESPN started a thing called um, Next Level Stats. And that's when my career took off. Amazing story, man. Well, Tom, you know, you like family. You are family, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, thank Trey. you for taking your time out for, uh, you know, to do this pod with me and Jason. And Yeah, we appreciate it, man. Hopefully we can do a part two because you have more things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I got plenty to talk about. And my last thing I want to mention is I was on Nessun when I was 14 years old. Uh, no, I was, I was like 17. I was on Nesson during a, a, a Red Sox game and I invented Molly, the green monster. The Wally, the green monster was the Red Sox, um, the Red Sox, uh, like mascot. And he was super popular with this little doll. And I invented Molly, the green monster with like braids and, and blonde hair and I brought it to the game and I made a poster that said, Hey, Jerry, Hey, Don, who are the commentator of the Red Sox. I have Walt, Molly, Wally's long lost sister. And they interviewed me on TV and they took my Molly and they started selling them. And I became like disenchanted Red Sox fan after a while for after that, because they took my Molly, the green monster idea and they started manufacturing them and putting them on their website 
and they started selling Molly uh, Molly dolls. And I'll never forget just feeling like as a fan, like having that moment where don't meet your heroes, where it felt like your heroes just totally took advantage of you and they stole your idea. Um, that was crazy is I invented um, and now they sell that there's a there's a counterpart to Wally. They call her Wallinda. And I was like, there should be a, a female version of Wally. And they can't they decided to do it right after that. And uh, man, don't meet your heroes. Uh, Mario Chalmers, he denied me. Vince Carter, I still hold out hope that it was a big mistake, a big misunderstanding, and that we can break bread one day.